0: business. Thanks
1: for coming out tonight. I a manual, step booklet for you to now get. I make money move. You can't see me, my time is now, 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 now. What up, what up, what up guys? Welcome back to the Fitness Times Business Podcast, the show created to provide you with the practical and strategic advice to help you level up in fitness, business, your career, your relationships, and your life. My name is Joseph Menzel. I am your host, Joining me in this episode of uh, the Your 4 segment, Brandon is back. How's it going? I'm good, man. How are you? Always good. Always good. Always good to be doing these episodes with you, man. Uh, We were just talking off camera. We have uh, four really, really well thought out questions. Uh, Questions that when I was preparing uh, for this episode, I was like, oh, shit, I got to dig deep for these. I got to go real deep. So... I know that then when that happens, you guys are going to get uh, a whole lot of value out of the episode. Uh, so we have four questions, Brandon. Before we get into them, it is MJ Challenge season. It's time, man. It's come around quick already. <laughs> it always does, man. Season ten. Fuck. What oh, is that number? I can't believe. You. I set it for season nine. I set it for season nine. We're in... We, this is number 10. Double digits. Number 10. And we've moved uh, to the new MJ Fitness Challenge app. Yeah, so for exciting. The, for the first time. And we thought, you know, we have, we're have we in double digits. we are got to celebrate. And we're celebrating with an all new fucking app. It's going to be amazing. For those of you who are hearing about the MJ Fitness Challenge for the first time. Firstly, what is it? It's a 10-week physical... And psychological transformation challenge. It's for both men and women of all ages, of all levels of fitness experience, and it's open to anyone, anybody anywhere in the world. It's not, some people think it's just you gotta be in Australia. No, 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 no. We have challenges from North America, South America, Asia, Europe, of course, Australia, New Zealand, all over the place. So open to everybody worldwide. As part of the MJ Fitness Challenge, you get a diet plan, you get a customized meal plan and macros, you get full workout programs, cardio programs, a supplement plan, and a motivational guide. All of these, well, specifically the meal plan uh, and the macros and the workout programs get updated at the week five marks, they get updated, so you get two of them, you get two full sets. Uh, at the halfway program, at the halfway point of the program, I should say, uh, you also get access to the MJ Fitness Challenge Facebook community uh, and fortnightly webinars featuring myself and Vince. We jump into that community every fortnight and give you guys some uh, some tips and tricks and some motivation. You also get over a hundred bucks worth of merchandise just for signing up Uh, and of course there's prizes up for grabs there's actually four prizes up for grabs Uh, there's a male fat loss champion a male build muscle champion a female fat loss champion and a female build muscle champion and that prize pool is worth over 10 grand it's crazy and the price brandon there's an early bird price there is right now Mm. well there's only four days left so early bird registration ends on July nine, Sunday, July nine, and that registration is just one forty nine ninety five. You get all of that for less than hundred and fifty bucks. It's crazy. It's less than fifteen bucks per week. It's about two dollars a day. The way we market it is we say it's less than a coffee day. It, it's it's a shitload less than a coffee a day. Coffees these days are fucking six seven bucks. <laughs> it's literally about two bucks a day. For all of this, if you register before the 9th of July, guys, this, honestly, like all the advertising and shit aside, it's one of the coolest things that we do in the MJ fitness business. Uh, we have transformed, I mean, we're in season 10 now. We have transformed thousands of people's lives, both psychologically, physically, doing this challenge. And we take a lot of fucking pride in it, if I might say so myself. Uh, So if you guys are interested, the one thing, look, the one thing, no harm in just checking it out. mjfitnesschallenge.com.au. You can go and have a look at the past challenges transformations. If you think that you can't make a lot of progress in 10 weeks, yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. And the proof is there. Go look at the past transformations. Go look at the testimonials. Take a look at what's involved. Uh, and I'm sure that if you guys invest a couple of minutes checking it out, you will, you will be on board. Uh, and make sure you guys get on board before July 9 to get that early bird pricing. mjfitnesschallenge.com.au Brandon. Awesome. We've got four questions, man. We do. You ready? Let's get
0: it. Question one. How do you handle employees that are talented but don't apply themselves fully?
1: I've seen this a lot over my career um, as, as a business owner and, and a manager of people, which is most of what I do these days is manage people. Uh, there's, there's really kind of three scenarios that I have personally seen play out in, in this situation where you, you, like someone someone has talent and you just know that they're capable of more than what they're giving And you have to figure out how to get that out of them. There's three scenarios. Scenario number one is there might actually be a mismatch of skills. So although somebody's talented, they might not actually have the skills to perform in the role that they're currently in. And that's probably the easiest of the scenarios to fix because you can upskill them. Right? You can organize some training for them. You can uh, manage them a little bit more closely. Ultimately, as their manager or as the business owner, depending on what position you're in, uh, you, you have to upskill them right? because you know the talent's there. It's just they don't quite have the skill that, you know, they might be in a sales role and perhaps they're, you know, incredibly talented at um, time management and productivity and they're a great people's person, but they just don't know how to close a deal, right? So we can upskill you on that. We can teach you how to close a deal. Tips and tricks and very basic shit, but you've just never been taught it, right? So we can definitely, you know, do that. Perhaps somebody's in a management position and they they had the amazing skills to exceed in the sales role, but now that they've been promoted into a manager's position and they're managing other salespeople, they might just not have the management skills, the people management skills to excel in that position. So we can upskill you. We can teach you how to manage people, right? So, so that's scenario number one. The second scenario is it might be a mismatch of a particular position, right? So the person might be really talented, And they might have the skills to excel in the position, but they're just not really interested in the position, right? So they might be an incredible salesperson, but they just don't want to be in sales for whatever reason. Whatever that motivation is, it's just not the right position for them. In that case, if you have the opportunity, move them into a position that aligns with their talent, that aligns with their motivations, that aligns with their skill set. I kind of like, I always... You know, when I think about the different, uh, I'm going to say players. I've jumped, I've jumped the gun a little bit. When I think about the different members of our team, I often think about it like a, like a basketball team. Like I'm assembling a pro basketball team, a championship basketball team. All right, who's going, to, who's going to be the point guard? Who's going to be the power forward? Who are the role players going to be? Who's going to be the franchise player? The star player? You know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out who I need to put in the specific positions to get the the team to gel the way they need to gel and get everybody aligned in the positions that their talents are best aligned to to get the most out of the team as a whole. So that's scenario number two, a mis- misalignment of position. The third scenario, and this is probably the most difficult, at least for me, it's been the most difficult, is a misalignment in motivation, right? Where somebody has the talent, they have the skills, they're in the right position, but the motivation to unlock their potential just isn't there, right? And I'll give, I'll give a couple of different examples that I've experienced. I've had people in the past in the MJ Fitness Business that have been incredibly talented when it comes to people skills, I've put them in sales roles where they didn't really have the sales skills to close the deal, great relationships, right? But couldn't close deals. I upskilled them, got them the skills they needed to close the deal, found them in the exact right position. So they were dealing with the right part of sales of the business. So perhaps it was retail. I don't wanna give away who this was. Perhaps it was retail, perhaps it was wholesale, perhaps it was distribution. All right, let's find the right position for you. You're there. I then thought that their motivation was money. So I put together this bonus structure for them, right? And in a sales position, quite easy to do because it's tied to the output that you're producing in a sales position. And I was like, why the fuck am I not getting out of this guy or this girl
0: what
1: what I know they're capable of? And the problem was they weren't motivated by money. They didn't give a fuck. The bonus structure was not doing anything to motivate them, to get them to unlock their full potential. And that was really difficult for me because then I had to figure out, well, firstly, I had to take the blow to my ego that I had misidentified their motivation. And then secondly, I had to figure out what motivated them, right? So what is it? If it's not money, like what, what is it? Is it more time with your family, right? Do you want more flexible working hours or you know, do you not want to be on the road as much? Do you want to be back at home? You know, like what, what, is the, what is the motivation there? Is it reaching more people and you don't really give a fuck about the money? Like, what is it? That's the third and probably the most difficult because you really have to get to know somebody on a deep level to understand what their motivation is. But if you can unlock that, Right, and you, you, you have upskilled them or they've got the skills, they've got the talent, they're in the right position, and they've got the right motivation, you're fucking superstar. So that's my experience with it.
0: Did you find, find that out when they were still here? Yes. Yeah? Yeah. So what did you do after that? Did you change, change roles or you obviously became more clear on their why? Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. No, I… I was able to get. Look, I uh, honestly, I didn't go, didn't do a good enough job of it because they're no longer in the business, um, and I think that that probably speaks uh, volumes for it. There's been a couple of people actually that immediately come to mind where I'm like, I could have done a better job there, um, which is why I'm I'm pretty. I wouldn't say pretty good, I'm much better at it now. When I see a misalignment in motivation and I know that the person's talented and I know they've got the right skills and I know they're in the right position, my alarm bells go off and I go, hold on a second, there's a misalignment of motivation here. Let me figure out what the actual motivation is and let me play into that. Um, And I've fucked up on a number of occasions, man, and I've lost some really good people. Uh, you know, the, the ones that got away is, is what I refer to them as. They're all lessons, man. Yeah, man. They um, really are. Yeah,
0: did you, did you have to, have you have, had to like let anyone go because of it? So like,
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's the other, like that's, the, you know, that's the truth of the situation. It's the truth of the matter as well is like a, along all of these steps, right? Like if you, if you can't offer the upskilling and there's just nowhere to go there, well then, you know, you need to let them go. Or they need to remove themselves, right? To go somewhere where they can get the upskilling. If you can't offer them the right position and there's just there's nowhere for them to move in the business, well, you're both wasting each other's time, right? Because you're gonna unlock different levels of 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 performance and productivity and happiness and fulfillment working somewhere else that can offer you that position, right? And you're not gonna do the job that I require you to do to make the most of this position. So I need to bring someone else in. So we both need to come to an agreement to to move on because we're both just fucking spinning wheels here. And then from a motivation perspective, I mean, that ultimately, and I know there's a question coming up here at the end of the episode um, around alignment with core values, right? Uh, Which ultimately is is what motivates most people is for living into their core values. Uh, If there is no capacity to do that within the business, then you're never going to get the most out of that person. And they're never going to feel happy and fulfilled because the motivation misalignment is always going to be there. And it's one of those situations where it's like, fuck man, like it is what it is. You know, I wish I could do more. You wish that your motivations were different, but this is where we're at. And we just need to have a, a you know a, a, an objective conversation about it and understand that this is trying to put a a square peg in a round hole. Yeah, no, good so.
0: good insight. Yeah, I, I don't have a lot to add about that. To be honest, I did have the um, pretty much what you had. Like, is it disinterest? Are they burnt out? Are they lacking guidance or resources? Or are they in the wrong role? But you've pretty much covered.
1: I think one thing I will add just as I'm thinking through this and the the different scenarios that I've experienced in in, um, my business journey thus far is it also needs to be said that in the short term, there can be things going on in someone's life that as a manager or a business owner, it probably is going to pay for you to be empathetic towards. And it's a it's a there's a balance here, right? And this, this kind of ties into servant leadership. But if somebody's going through some heavy shit in their personal life, right? Maybe they're going through uh, maybe they got a sick child, uh, or maybe they're going through a relationship breakdown, or maybe their um, their parents are not in good health, or there's there's something going on in their personal life and you can see that that is affecting their ability to really lean into their potential and you can see that they have talent that they're not fulfilling, but you understand that this is happening on the side. Sometimes, especially in the short term, it's going to pay to be empathetic to that and just go, look, I know that, man, I've dealt with this so many times with employees. I know you, you've gone through this, right? I get it. I'm going to support you as much as you need. Go and. Do what you need to do in your personal life. At the same time, and this is why it's such a fine line, there needs to be a limit to that as well, right? Because that can't go on for a sufficiently long period of time where it's like, fuck, man, like it's been, you know, depending on the scenario, it's been three months, it's been six months, it's been a year. And I've made this mistake before. It was a number of years where I was like, look, I've been as empathetic as I can be. This is going on a lot. I've given you the support, you haven't dealt with your shit, and you're still not living up to your potential. You're still leaving talent on the table, Uh, and now we have to do something about it.
0: Yeah, it's an awareness thing as well, like with you, but communication is huge as well because you might not even know. Like obviously, you can tell if someone's acting differently and stuff, and usually there for them and um, provide that support and ask them if everything's all good. But if you don't know, man, they're obviously just their performance is dropping. And you don't know if external things are going on, then it'd be pretty hard. So if you're a, an employee, then yeah. and you are going through that that at the moment, make sure you communicate with your your bosses and things like
1: that. Yeah, and look, I think that's really that's a really important point, Brandon. Because as a as a leader, one of the things that I always try and be cognizant of is like significant changes in people's behavior, you know. And if you're, if, you're, if you're present enough, you can see it, right? You can see it. And when you see it, as a, as a servant leader, I believe it's your responsibility to open up that line of communication and say, look, Brandon, man, I, look, I've noticed that you've kind of been acting a bit different. I noticed your performance has dropped off. You know, we go through KPIs every month and I'm, I'm seeing, like, I know that you're not giving everything you can give. What's going on? Is it something in the workplace? Is it something in your personal life? Let's just have an open, honest conversation about it and let me help you through it. At the same time, as an employee, if you don't have a manager that practices that sort of empathy, uh, or even if you do, It's really important that as an employee, you have the courage to have that conversation as soon as you can as well. And just communicate, like you said, you know, bring awareness to the table and say, look, I'm going through this. Um, This is really difficult for me. It's not going to be a long-term thing, but I just need to deal with this now. Uh, And I'm trying my best not to bring it to the workplace, but it's really hard for me. You know, have that vulnerable conversation. Because more often than not, people are going to be super empathetic towards it. You don't know what people have been through, man. You know, you just don't. And so many times we assume that, that, that people aren't going to be empathetic and people don't understand. A lot of the times people have been through something similar and they can reflect on that themselves and they can go, fuck, you know, I remember when I was in that position, I wish that my boss was empathetic towards me. So this is my chance to turn the tables and, and give that respect to my employer, my staff member. Hundred percent. Next question. Let's do it.
0: Do you think you're leaving anything in the tank by training in the morning instead of evenings?
1: You guys were talking about this in the office. We were, yeah, just (laughs) then. Earlier today. Um I'll let you lead off on this actually. Yeah. Because I got stories, but yeah. So
0: do I. Like my my stance has definitely changed. Yeah, over the last few years. It Um, does, hey? It does, yeah. (laughs) Because like, I think, I think, it depends on the kind of training you're doing. Um, If you're doing, like I still train, if I'm training early in the mornings uh, and I'm doing cardio, I I won't eat, uh, depending on what cardio, if it's anything like long, like long runs and endurance based, then I'll get something small in, like a fast acting carb. But, I don't know, man. I eat in the mornings now. Like I train in the mornings, weight training and I get up early and I eat and in the beginning it was hard. Uh, you, well, you're not used to eating that early in the morning and it was like you need to sort of work out how long before training works best for you. Some people can eat and train straight away. Some people need to wait an hour plus. Um, so you need to work out that and then, yeah, I, I much prefer eating before I train in the mornings now.
1: Um,
0: and then... That's sort of gone away from the question, hasn't it? Well,
1: <laughs> the, but I'm happy you've gone there because there's always, man. Whenever I post on anywhere about like my morning uh, training in the mornings and how I do that, like everyone, the, the topic is always do you train faster, do True, you yeah? You train? It's always the thing. Right? And I used to train faster, man. Yeah.
0: And I used to, because I used, to, I used to be a barista, yeah. uh, and I'd finish at like either twelve or two, and I would just drink black coffee. I I was a big um, believer in intermittent fasting. I still do believe in it to an extent I think it can be a good tool but I would train I'd just drink black coffee and then I'd finish at 12 or two go straight to the gym train fasted and then not eat until I'd get home um and it worked for me man but yeah uh, in the mornings now like obviously now my job is a a nine to five get home at like six six thirty and I'm spent man (laughs) my brain like your brain uses so much energy yeah by the time I'm home, there's no way I want to, I want to train. And once you get used to that, getting up early, man, and going to the gym and just feeling good, getting that, that frog eaten early on in the day, you just feel good for the rest of the day. So I probably would never like, never go back. I reckon even like on the weekends and stuff, man, I'm I'm in there early, not, not that early, but early-ish, yeah.
1: My journey is very similar. So I used to be an evening trainer for over a decade, right? I, back when I was at university, I kind of used to train in between lectures during the day. When I finished university and I committed to um, Massive Joe's at the time, now MJ Fitness, uh, full-time, I would have been, shit, how old was I? Mid-20, late 20? No, mid, mid-20. So over 10 years. And my routine was I'd do fasted cardio in the morning, Every morning, or well, almost every morning, I do a full day of work and then I train at nighttime. And that worked for me until it stopped working. And let me tell you how it stopped working. And this is when I knew I needed to make a change. What I would do was work at here at MJHQ. And it was really this building, actually. And As I'm taking on more and more responsibility, and as the business is growing and growing, and there's just more more shit happening, I work later and later, and you know, an extra ten minutes turns into an extra twenty, an extra half hour, an extra hour. So I used to work like nine to five, nine to five thirty, so on and so forth, and then I would be working here until six thirty, and then seven, and then seven thirty, and then eight, then eight thirty. Right, and I just wouldn't, I wouldn't fucking leave the office. It, the, 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 it got to the point where I would have my pre-workout meal here at like eight, and I wouldn't be at the gym until nine. Right, and I used to post about it. Those of you who've been following me for years would know. My saying was, I do my best work at ten p.m. And that was, that was not in the bedroom. That was in the, that was in the gym, right? I still do my best workout at 10 p.m., but, uh, but that was in You're the gym. before then, man. Yeah, I am now. Um, and more on that in a second. But that, that was like, because I, I used to train fucking after 10 o'clock at, at night. And that's all good. But because I was tired, because I'd spent fucking 12 hours in the office, what did I do? I had a high stim pre-workout, right? To, to make sure that I'm making the most of that workout. And I finished training at 11. Then I have my post-workout meal. And now I can't fucking sleep because I had a high stim pre-workout at fucking nine o'clock at night. And then a, a big post-workout meal. And so I wouldn't sleep until 1, 1.30, 2 a.m. And then I'm up at 6.37 to do my fasted cardio. And guess what? I wake up, and I'm tired. So what do I do. Some fat burners, some stimulants. And it got to the point where it was this vicious cycle of consistently feeling tired, consistently relying on caffeine and stimulants and shit to give me energy to get through my workday, get through my workouts, get through my cardio the next morning. And I was like, like this this is not going to end well. Like I need to break this cycle. And I knew that before I met my wife, Amy. And Amy came into my life absolute angel for a number of different reasons. This is one of them. (laughs) Uh, And Amy was, at that point, she'd been training early mornings for for quite some time. And she said, look, let me introduce you to early morning training. I was like, fuck that. I don't know. I I don't lift heavy things in the morning. I do my best work after 10 p.m. This is not going to happen. But she was like, just try it. Just commit to it for like a month and see what happens. And let me tell you, man, that first month was fucking torture. Like, I still remember the workouts. I was, um, we were living at um, Glengarry at the time and I used to train at Anytime Fitness Glenelg uh, and, you know, 5.30, 6 in the morning and I remember those workouts and I was like, I can't fucking do this. Like, I felt shit. I just, my heart was beating out of my chest. My performance was horrible and I was just like, nah, this is not for me. But I made a commitment to her. I said, you know, I'll, I'll try it for a month. Every week, it started to get better and better and better. And then I needed to figure out, okay, do I train faster? Do I train with food? How, like all the stuff that you said, how early before my workout do I need to get my meal in? What about fluid? What about water? How does, how does all this play in? And so over the next few months, I started experimenting with energy input. So food and water, timing, how much, so on and so forth. Uh, and then I got better at the energy output, right? Like there's, there's a big difference, especially when you first go from getting your heart rate up to 78, 80%, 80% of its max at 10 o'clock at night and then saying to your body, no, 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 we're going to do that at fucking five o'clock in the morning, right? And it throws your circadian rhythm out of whack like you, you won't believe it. Your body just won't do it. So, you, but you need to push through that. So I started experimenting with that. And let me tell you where I'm at now. And I've been training early mornings. I mean, I've been together just over four years. So it's been four years, about four years um, since I've been doing this. And so this is what my early morning pre-training regime looks like. My alarm goes off at four at the moment. Pre-contest it was a bit early. It's it a sleeping 3 for you now. It is a sleeping, yeah. So 4 a.m. my alarm goes off. I do some um, breath work and some vacuums. And I have half a liter of water while I'm preparing my pre-workout meal. My pre-workout meal is uh, a scoop of whey protein, blended whey protein, sometimes isolate, with some coconut milk made into like a little paste, like a sludge. I do 30 30 grams of cereal, 75 grams of blueberries, and then I do some ciabatta, which is some Italian bread, right? So wheat is a source of carbohydrates, about 100 grams of ciabatta. That's my pre-workout meal. So I prepare that, half a liter of water after I've done my vacuums, quarter past four, I have my pre-workout meal. I also have coffee as well. Have a coffee. Pre-workout meal and a coffee. And I go into my morning routine, which is journaling, writing, reading. Do that for 30 minutes. 4.45, so 30 minutes later, prepare my pre-workout sups with another half liter of water. So before I even step in the gym, and this has been huge for me, I've drunk a liter of water, right? A lot of people that train in the morning, train dehydrated, they don't even fucking realize. They're like, I can't get a pump. And I eat more carbs and I can't get a pump. And, you know, I've tried honey and rice cakes and all the fast-acting carbs and dextro-pure and all this. I can't get a pump. Well, you can't get a pump because there's no water. Your body can't create glycogen without water, right? So there's a liter of water gone in. There's about almost 100 grams of carbs, 30 grams of protein and a tiny little bit of residual fat in there. I then drive to the gym. Quarter past five, I warm up. This is another big thing, right? People think they're going to go straight into morning workouts without warming up. I spend 10 minutes on the Stairmaster for every workout. get my heart rate up and then I go and I warm up my shoulders and back and depending on what I'm training, my legs, whatever, I start training at 5.30. So in terms of timing, so I've already been up for 90 minutes. My pre-workout meal has gone in an hour and 15 minutes before and I've drunk a liter of water. And for me... That is… That's how… It's perfect. I've been experimenting. This is where I'm at four years later, right? So, I've experimented with a lot of different shit. For me, that works perfectly. So, back to the question… Do I think I'm leaving anything in the tank by training in the morning instead of evenings? I'm exactly the same as you. I wouldn't go back. I don't go back. I could train any fucking time of day I want. I don't. Even on weekends. Train early in the morning. And I've found that… I mean man, like the, the the proof is in the pudding. My physique over the last four years has gone from amateur to top pro. So, I, you know, I don't know what other evidence you want other than that, that there's nothing being left in the tank. Once you get the the recipe to the energy input and the energy output right.
0: Yeah, it really is trial and error. Um, it's funny that you say that, that you used to have the high stim freeze at nine, nine, nine yeah. at night because now you're training at were you drinking your pre-workout at five in the morning it's stim-free
1: most of the time yeah, yeah. Got that yeah. Energy, last man. bit of prep I use high stim but for the most time yeah, yeah like I have a coffee, coffee right so there's natural caffeine in there um, but then yeah like my man pff, I don't even want to think about what my what my total caffeine intake was towards the end of that period while I was training doing my yeah. best workout at, best work at 10pm it would have been pushing a gram plus oh easy I'm thinking like 1.5. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> yeah. It was not good, man. good that you're still here with us. It was, well, <laughs> but, you know, like then you talk about, the, back to the question, like leaving anything in the tank, having that much caffeine in a 24-hour period is horrible for recovery. You know, like if I had a fucking aura ring back then and I was tracking my readiness, it would have been <laughs> yeah. off the charts Well, I mean, low. your caffeine's
0: <laughs> got a half-life of six hours, man. You're having it yeah. at 9 o'clock at night. yeah. Half Actually, life lucky of to go six to sleep was
1: Quarter life of twelve hours, like. I don't know how you doing all nighters, man. My blood caffeine concentration would have just been consistently. Constant, <laughs> yeah,
0: maybe that's how you fell asleep like
1: at one thirty. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, oh, "This is normal. This is blood yeah, now." Yeah, yeah, but. Yeah, but um, Fuck, man. Yeah, and I think you know, like you can you can read into all of the different studies and data, and speak to people, and this and that, and you know, different people are going to say, yeah, training first thing in the morning is the best because your growth hormones the highest, and your testosterone's the highest, and your insulin uh, sensitivity is the highest, and then some other people will be like, yeah, but. Training at night, you've had a full day worth of meals and your stomach's full and you've got glycogen floating around and blood sugar levels are bad and all that. Like everyone's going to have their different opinions. Ultimately, it comes back to what fits your lifestyle. Always.
0: Well, I, I love hearing about morning routines. Man. I wish I wrote mine down. It's very si- it's similar. Um, I like how you get up, you drink water straight away. I drink, I add a bit of like pink salt celtic sea salt to my water because i know i'm dehydrated all the time when i wake up so i make sure i get that in before i have any caffeine or coffee at all uh and then i like how you eat straight away i eat straight away as well because then when you're doing your morning routine you're giving you that time to to digest it a bit um so i do that same same and i have like a quick fast digesting carb source at the moment it is it's nutrigrain cereal um it's not a whole lot because i am trying to cut um and then i'll just add i used to do like the sludge but now i just add it in like a Bit, bit of milk and like a scoop of protein in there, and just have it as like flavored milk. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty, pretty much just having that. Like sometimes I'll have like when I'm not cutting, I'll have like raisin toast mm-hmm. or something alongside of it. Just just fast digesting carbs, man, to give you that energy. Uh, and then I'll drink my pre-workout on the way to the gym because I got a little bit of a little bit of a drive. But my, did I say pre-workout? Or pre-workout meal. Pre-workout. Drink, drink my pre, drink my pre-workout. But and then yeah, when I get here, I have my post-workout meal and man. Definitely try it. Like that breakfast tastes a lot better as a post workout meal too, to be honest. Mm, but doesn't yeah, it? Give, it, give it a try. And like Joe said, like give it a try for at least a month. Um, Cause it is tough in the beginning. Waking up that early is tough. Um, feeling like you need like have the energy. I think the, the big one here as well is actually warm up too. Because once your heart's pumping, that blood's pumping, man, it's a lot easier rather than just getting there and getting straight into your workout, you'll feel like shit. So yeah, give it a go. Yeah,
1: ultimately, that's it. Like, give it a try. But, you are you know, the point you make that's really important is commit to it. Don't give it a try for a week and go, this is not for this me. Shit, yeah. Like, you're literally flipping your daily routine upside fucking down. Yeah, you, you flip any area of your life upside down, there's going to be some resistance. You know what I'm saying? So, you have to go, I'm going to commit to this for four weeks or six weeks or eight weeks or whatever it is and push through. Like, change is hard at first, messy in the middle, gorgeous at the end. How many times have we said that on the show? It applies to this as well. Yeah, it's sure. hard at first. It's going to be. So you have to commit to it.
0: 100%.
1: Next question. Question three.
0: How to distinguish between feeling lazy and unmotivated but needing to push through versus feeling burnt out and needing to pull back?
1: What a great fucking question. Like this is, is, this yeah. is the question. At the start of the show, I said There's, the, the, these questions made me think. This was the question where I was like, hmm, this is a great fucking question.
0: I had the questions all, all done and this one came through yesterday actually. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I've got to slide that one in there. Yeah.
1: I think it comes down to two main things. I've distilled it down to two main things. The first one is looking for and being conscious of objective physical and psychological indicators that you're burnt out and you need to pull back. And this is difficult because naturally, you're going to be subjective around like physically, oh, I'm sore, you know, I'm feeling tired. Or psychologically, oh, I'm just psychologically exhausted. Or, you know, I'm feeling down in the dumps. They're subject- it's subjective, right? But you really have to be able to step back from that and look at these indicators objectively and understand the difference between feeling physically sore, which is just a byproduct of pushing your body physically past what it wants to do, which is part of the pursuit of your health and fitness goals, right? You can't achieve a health and fitness goal without going through some sort of pain. So the difference between that and pushing yourself so hard that there's a measurable drop in your performance, right? Or, I mean, the obvious one physically is you get sick, right? Like you run down and your body's like, no, 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 hold on. You're at the point now where we need to fucking pull back here. Psychologically, it's the difference between feeling psychologically tired and feeling absolutely drained and exhausted, It's the difference between feeling unmotivated and feeling defeated. It's the difference between feeling challenged and feeling helpless. Slight differences, nuanced differences. And I really think, you know, it's funny how many of the concepts that we discuss in these episodes all tie back to a lot of these different scenarios. This is an exercise in mindfulness, ultimately. This is why we preach meditation. This is why we preach breath work. This is why we preach all of these different skills that ultimately are designed to enhance your mindfulness so that you are able to step back from short-term physical indicators subjectively and look at them objectively. You're able to step back from transient emotions and psychological responses. And instead of becoming subjectively involved in them, you can create some distance and look at them objectively. Okay, I'm not, I'm not actually physically exhausted. I'm just tired at the moment, right? I don't actually feel helpless and defeated. I'm just feeling a bit challenged and it's uncomfortable, but I can sit with that. That's why mindfulness is so important. So I think that that's… that's point one, right, is is develop the skills to be able to step back from the subjective physical and psychological indicators and look at them objectively. And I think that that's going to give you a lot of clarity over whether it's like a short-term thing that you just need to harden the fuck up and push through and exert discipline and perseverance and grit or if you're actually teetering right on the edge of burnout – And you need to go, hold on a second, I I need to step back here before I do some serious physical or psychological damage. I think the other thing to consider is, once you've kind of got that objectivity, asking yourself if pulling back in the short term is then going to help propel you forward after that, Or if pulling back in the short term is actually going to push you backwards. So is this the old saying, one step backwards to take two steps forwards? Or is this one step backwards that's then going to lead to the developing of habits and routines that when things get hard, you just take a step backwards and you take another step backwards and you take another step backwards. And before you know it, you're so far away from your goal that you don't even know what the fuck your life looks like. And it all started with that one decision. So I think that's something else to really keep in mind. Is this one step back to take two forward? Is this actually going to help me recharge physically, psychologically? So I'm able to regroup and propel, like squishing a spring down. Squish it down, explodes up. Is it that scenario? Or is this just stepping backwards? Yeah.
0: Yeah, those those are huge. Uh, the awareness, obviously, from the mindfulness, and then your journaling will help with the reflection as well. Like self reflecting sure. is something that's very hard to to start doing if you never never reflect. Um, but you have to start though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, like you said, man. Like a, you've pretty much ticked everything off there. Like if you're there's a few ways to identify it. If it is like laziness, if it's your, your bitch voice or your boss voice is still there and you just burn some out. Some Andy
1: Frisella out right there. Bitch, I love the yeah. bitch
0: voice, bo- boss voice. Um, it's a little sexist, stuff, but
1: <laughs> we're wrong with it.
0: <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, if you're usually highly driven and motivated and then all of a sudden you've like lost interest or drive in what you're doing, then it's a sign that it could be burnout. But yeah, reflection's huge here. Um, like what, what, what's causing the burnout is the first step uh, identifying that is it stress work training work out what it is before you can start working on like getting through it and then like now like what what recharges you are you prioritizing those things are you neglecting them um, the things that are like refresh and recharge you like if you're tra- if you're training too much like consider a deload week if you're working too much can you increase productivity by like can you increase productivity to decrease workload? Can you delegate certain tasks at all? Can you let your employer know that you might need some some time away, or just let them know, communicate with them, like we said previously? But yeah, really, you pretty much just covered it, man. It's just reflection and
1: just being aware. That's I think for the most part, and you know, I I I don't want to come across as, you know, there's this there's this culture around, uh, you know, uh, grinding as hard as you like, quote unquote, grinding, you know, burning the midnight oil and just being the hardest worker in the room and, you know, outworking everyone and, 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 you know, all those fucking cliche terms that you can come up with. I want to be very careful about heading in that direction. But for the most part, you are far more capable than you think you are. Both physically and psychologically. So, for the most part, when you get to the point physically where you're like, you know what, I'm feeling burnt out, right? I'm feeling exhausted. I've got nothing left to give. I need to take some time off. I need to skip that workout. I need a cheat meal. I need a cheat day. You know, I just need to, I need a break. Most of the time, you just need to keep going. Most of the time, You just need to harden the fuck up and push through it. Very rarely will you get to the point where physically, you're actually burnt out and you actually need to take time off. I can tell you from personal experience, physically, really the only time where I get there is probably the last month of a contest prep. Really? The last two weeks. Like that's it where I'm like, fuck, like this is, this is the limit for me now. And I've been competing for almost 20 years. And for me, it's two weeks of the last bit of a contest prep. And I still push through it because I got that end goal that I'm trying to go through. But then after the show, I, I consciously take my foot off the accelerator and go, okay, like my, my body's gonna have a fucking freak out if I don't deal with this situation. Psychologically, you're even more capable than you are physically. Psychologically, most of us, myself included, haven't even scratched the surface of what we are capable of psychologically. We just haven't. I got asked this question a while ago. And the question was, on a scale of one to 10, psychologically how much more do you how how much more do you think you have to give so if you had to rate like your your output your productivity your capabilities on a scale of one to ten ten being i'm given everything i can give i got nothing like i'm fucking maxed out and one being i haven't even scratched the surface yet where do you rank and this was before I started doing a lot of the self-development work that, that I mean, you guys listen to the show for, right? And I remember answering the question and I was like, and this is, this is years ago now. I was like, ah, I think I'm about an eight to nine.
0: <laughs> Even just me knowing you now, man, I know that'd be nowhere near.
1: I was like, yeah, I'm an eight to nine. Now, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm at like a two. I'm at a two. Tops. Maybe like 1.5. We haven't even scratched the surface, man. There's so much more there. So, you know, to tie it back to this question, if you, you, most of the time, you're not even fucking close, man. Like I've seen people that have had mental breakdowns, right? And ended up in, in the... Um, psych wards of hospitals and those sorts of things. And obviously that is, you know, that's, <laughs> you pushed it too far at that point, right? Most of us are nowhere near there. Nowhere near it. Not even fucking close. You're, you've got much more capability
0: than you think you have. It's a 40% rule. You heard of that? The David Goggins 40% rule? I think most people... Oh, this is definitely feel... some David Goggins shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, most people, what when you it? feel like you're at the age, man, you really are like 40% max. Yeah. So, not even halfway to where,
1: well, where you, you think, really and, and, you know, the best way to think about it, Brandon, is like I think about the most difficult psychological challenges that I've confronted in my life that at the time felt like I was at a fucking 10, right? Where I was like, man, like, <laughs> you know, I can't… This is, this is the limit for me. And I look back on them now, right? And I go, if that happened now, it'd be a fucking walk in the park. So what does that tell you about your psychological capability? it It continues to it continues to expand. It continues to grow. The more difficult shit you confront, where's the limit to that expansion? I man, I think David Goggins was wrong. I don't think it's forty percent. I think it's more like ten. ten yeah, yeah. And no, you just we're... you're just never going to know because you you you. you the more psychological capacity you have to deal with difficult shit, the more difficult shit you deal with, which then enhances your psychological capacity. It's the success capacity concept that I've spoken about many times before. The only way to increase your success capacity is to go through difficult shit. And the more difficult shit you go through, the greater success capacity you're developing. So there's actually no limit.
0: Man, we're powerful beyond measure. It's insane. On the flip side as someone as highly driven as yourself yep. what about the people that really are like burnt out but they they read like relaxing and stuff like that taking the foot off the pedal stresses them out and that's not how they they recharge give me an example if that makes sense <sighs> i mean you can say to people oh to to conquer burnout you can just just take some time off work just go relax go on a holiday or something like that <laughs> would that work for you <laughs>
1: is that reaction uh, answer your question <laughs>
0: yeah. and obviously the people that aren't fully aware with I mean we've talked about it before what like finding out what recharges you yes. really is really comes down to that
1: but everyone's different man yeah like for some people like I laugh at that because for me like I, I've tried that and it doesn't work Right? I just, you know, I I can't do that. It doesn't work for me. For me, it's the active recharge, right? It's spending time reading. It's spending time meditating. It's um, spending time doing things that I enjoy doing that's still doing something, right? I'm not the sort of guy that I'm like, fuck, I'm burnt out. I need to go sit on a fucking island and sip frozen mojitos and do sweet fuck all. That doesn't do anything for me. But for some people, it might, right? There's no right or wrong here. That's why you need to find what, what recharges you. Like what is the thing when you need to switch off that you can, you can incorporate and start incorporating that every day so that you never have to switch off. It just becomes part of what you do to stay on top of your game.
0: I'm just reflecting on my own. It's sort of like a selfish thing at the moment. But like Sarah said to me, my partner Sarah said to me like a few weeks ago, she's like, I hope, I hope you can fully relax when we go on holiday to Europe next yeah. month because you always want to be doing shit and training and just like so like structured and scheduled. Yeah. I'm sort of stressing about it a little bit myself. Like I'm going to be on a Contiki so I can't take, take my laptop to do like a bit of work on the yeah. side when I have some downtime and it's just like I will be like training a little bit over there as well. So it's just like, Yeah you figure it out. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. it's only four weeks. <laughs> nah, It'll be, 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 be. be an amazing time, man. When was uh,
1: no. it, see, this is, this, I'm interested in this. When was the last time you went on a trip like this or had like an extended period of time off like this? Well, first of all, I've never been to
0: like overseas or Europe. Yeah. But yeah, a while, man, because I've, I've been like here and there, like Melbourne robe and stuff like that. But I was still doing work when I was over there. So mm-hmm. maybe I've just forgotten how, like what it is to not really have anything to do I think
1: and you're a different person now too that's kind of what I'm getting at right is like these things ebb and flow depending on where you're at in life's journey you're a different person now so what might have been the off switch and the recharge and the relaxation for you five years ago doesn't look the same anymore because you've developed right you've changed as a person so I'm excited for you man it's because I I can see
0: like I know like I'm so far from my potential yeah so I just want to keep working towards that. It's yeah. just like any time off, I just
1: don't want to, you know. Yeah. But yeah. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Next episode of Your 4 we'll get a debrief. <laughs> yeah. Might be a different person. Who knows? <laughs> Alright, last question.
0: Last question. How far do you want to take your business? I have a few friends who are adamant that they only want their business to go as far as a lifestyle business. I myself must admit I am not sure where it ends. I have to say I don't think it does end. It grows until I can't do anymore.
1: I love this question. I know you would. <laughs> this, is the, this is the old uh, build a business for the three Bs scenario. You know, build a business so that you can have your, your boat, your beach house, and your BMW. <laughs> and that, once you're there, like, it's, that's, that's your lifestyle business, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, don't don't get it twisted. Like, different people have different motivations and more on that in a second. Uh, how far do I want to take my business? So I have um, one of the journals that I keep is uh, what I call my optimism journal or my affirmation journal. And I guess it's kind of like, it's a journal that kind of works like a vision board without having anything visual. It's all all written. And under the business part of that, the first thing that sits under that, and I can literally show you this on my phone, is um, I will build a billion dollar business. So my B's look a little different. I'm going for the, for the big B. Uh, that's, that's kind of that's where I'm at at the moment. Uh, and I'm not saying that that is where I'll end up. Uh, it could be bigger than that. But at the moment, like I know how to build a nine-figure uh, nine business. At least I, I know what the path looks like. I got no fucking idea how to build a 10-figure business. So that's what I'm trying to do, right? <laughs> because I'm like, well, that's going to that's gonna be the test. Um, so to answer the question in, in short terms, how far do I want to take my business to the big B? That's where it is at the moment. Don't know how the fuck to get there, but figure it out along the way. To dig a bit deeper, and this was another question that made me really think a bit deeper because then I go, why, why is that the first thing in my affirmation journal? Like, where does that come from? Uh, because most people uh, would firstly not even think that. And secondly, for a lot of people, it's intimidating. It's like, fuck, the fuck are you going to do that? It comes back to core values. Ultimately, comes back to core values. For me, my dominant core value is achievement. There's other ones in there. But, you know, I've done fucking survey after survey and all this because I'm interested, right? I'm interested to know where this comes from. Uh, and for me, it's achievement, right? And so that business goal is very much aligned with that core value. Let me see how much I can achieve. And that's why that kind of sits at the top for me. And that's why when I think about how far I want to take my business, a lot of it is, is achievement Driven, right? And and I and I just want to distinguish here, right? Because it's not for me. It's not about achievement in terms of money. It's achievement in terms of reaching people and having an effect on people, right? And the the revenue goal is is a side a side effect of that. Um, it's not the the primary driver for me so my achievement is like i just want to have a positive impact on as many people as i possibly can right and i know that what comes along with that is a really fucking big business because that's the vessel upon which i can do that something i want to introduce the listeners and the viewers to is something called the schwartz values wheel i don't think we've spoken about this in depth in the pod before So the Schwartz values wheel is a circle. looks a bit like a pie chart. And around the circle, it has uh, different focuses of core values. And then as you go within the circle, it kind of breaks out into like slices of a pizza. And these are effectively the main core values. Uh, Just Google it. Schwartz, S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z values will. And you'll see this, you'll see the will that I'm talking about. And so the inner slices of this will of this pizza are the main core values. And it's really interesting to see what they are. I'll just, I'll read it. I've got a printout in front of me. So I'll read a few of them out. So I've already mentioned achievement, hedonism, stimulation, action, thought, dependability, caring, tolerance, concern, nature, humility, interpersonal rules, which is part of conformity, tradition, Security. Uh, And there's a few others in there as well. Really interesting to look at this circle and go, what values am I most personally aligned with? Right, What resonates with me the most? And this is really like a really simple way of understanding what the different core values are and understanding which ones are most important to you, which ones you resonate most with. Happiness and fulfillment ultimately… Is about alignment and living into your core values. So for me to be happy and fulfilled, I need to be achieving. I need to be living into achievement. That is what ultimately is going to make me the happiest and bring me the most fulfillment. That's why that business goal is the first and like the the the, uh, the driver for me. That's why when I think about how far do I want to take my business, I'm going to the B's because that's achievement. And progress towards that achievement is going to make me happy. It's going to bring me joy. And it's going to bring me fulfilment. That's not to say that that's everybody's core value, right? So the lifestyle business, building a B for the three Bs—the boat, the beach house, and the beamer—well, that's not necessarily achievement, right? If you come back to the Schwartz core values, that might be benevolence, right, for your family. It might be security having those things makes you feel secure, right? It's, it, it could be any, any different combination of core values, right? Perhaps you're building a business um, for tradition because tradition is really important to you and your business looks completely different to what most people start in a business for, right? It, ultimately, it comes down to core values. It's interesting because… Tony Robbins recently has been doing a lot of content that I've never heard him do before. This is what I love about Tony is he's got like his, you know, uh, take massive action and, you know, like the stuff that Tony's known for. But every now and again, he'll kind of sprinkle some things in that you're like, oh, I've never heard Tony speak about that before. The one for me at the moment is he started talking about the fact that he's identified that one of the fundamentals of happiness right so we say happiness and fulfillment is living into your core values he said that one of the fundamentals of that happiness is actually progress right as humans we have an inbuilt need for progress towards something towards a goal towards a value towards something that's important to us we need to be like we can't stand still right and moving backwards is a problem for 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 human beings, we need to be progressing towards something. So in the realm of core values and which ones you most align with, the question then becomes, what does progress look like to you? Right? To me, progress is how big of a business can I build to have a positive effect on as many people as I can. If I'm heading towards that, that's a fundamental of happiness and it aligns with my overarching core value of achievement. So I'm going to be exactly where I need to be. If your overarching core value is security, right? Trying to reach as many people as you can and build the biggest business you can comes with a lot of risk. So is progressing towards that and confronting the risk that comes along with that going to align with a core value of security? Probably not you're probably going to be fucking miserable and stressed out of your fucking brain most of the time. What about if your core value is, let's say, benevolence, right? And so dependability, caring, right? A lot of these uh, uh, things that tie into family is really important to you. Well, is building the biggest business that comes along with a lot of fucking work, and a lot of time away from your family, it's just inherent in the process, does that align with your overarching core value of benevolence? No, it doesn't. So if you're progressing down that path, you're actually progressing away from benevolence. You're progressing away from having more time to spend with your family. So you're going to be fucking miserable. So I think ultimately, it comes down to identifying having awareness of your core values making sure that you're progressing towards living into them. And whatever that translates to in your business journey, that's where you need to be.
0: That's that's very interesting stuff, man. Anyone that wants to do this, did you just sort of… How did you learn about this?
1: The… Schwartz values will was actually something that my mother-in-law introduced me to. So Amy's mum is—I uh, mean, she does she does a lot of things, but she's a, a doctor in um, psychological research. So she knows this shit like <laughs> really, really well. It was something she introduced me to was the Schwartz values will. One of one of the how's this for meeting a future mother-in-law? <laughs> the first conversations <laughs> that we had was around core values. I guess she was trying to see if like Amy and I were aligned or not. (laughs) Probably scoping me out. Uh, But yeah, she introduced me to it. And then I did the Myers-Briggs test and, you know, personality tests tests and stuff like that, uh, you know, to to just kind of solidify that. But that was my first introduction to this. It's actually one of the things in the mentoring work that I do uh, is it's one of the questions in my mentoring induction questionnaire. That's actually what I've got to print out of here. Yeah, That's I feel mentor. like
0: I've seen that before. Maybe it's from you because I've, I've heard of it. I've seen that sort of chart-looking thing, yeah. but I've never really dove into it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's one of the things that I put in my mentoring induction questionnaire and get all of my men- mentees when they come on board is to look at the Schwartz values wheel and figure out what core values they uh, resonate with. Because it tells you a lot about yourself and most people have never done it, right? They, they, and you don't understand. Like, you, if you don't have awareness of this sort of stuff, you don't really know where a lot of your motivations come from. Like, why am I motivated to build a billion dollar business? The fuck does that come from? Like, that's, you know, it's why, why am I motivated to have a, a family with seven children? I'm not personally, but, but some people are. Why am I motivated to um, join my local church and do a lot of work for the community? Why is that the most important thing to me? You know, a lot of people kind of have these motivations that they haven't really dug into and they don't really understand where they come from. Well, ultimately, it all ties back to your core values. So… Yeah, guess what I'm doing tonight… Schwartz values will. All the listeners are,
0: man. It makes so much sense, man. That sort of ties in, like ties together everything, like all my thoughts on this as well. Um, Because I did have like, I understand where your friends are coming from. They obviously prioritize flexibility and work-life balance, um, which obviously have different core values. Um, But I think it applies, this applies to all areas of life as well. Like, How far do you want to take your fitness goals? Like how far do you want to take your financial goals? Do you want to hit a certain way or do you want to look a certain way and then just stay there? Do you want to earn a certain amount of money or and then just stop or do you want to earn as much as you can? So for me, it's like, why would you not strive to be the best you possibly can be in any area of life? Do you just want to be comfortable? Fair enough. But like you said, like with the Tony Robbins and the, the progress thing, like yeah, for me as well is like if you're if you're not growing, you're you're dying, essentially. And I think that's sort of what it is. And but yeah, if you don't want your business to be the best it possibly can be in whatever industry you're in, man, like I don't know. Like I personally
1: think you're in it for the wrong reasons, but
0: everyone's but in it for different sort of, everyone's in it for different yeah, reasons. Yeah.
1: It's funny because I was Leah and I were having this conversation yesterday and the context was she has just started to see, I think probably for the first time, she listens to these episodes. So Leah, I apologize if I've made the wrong assumption, but <laughs> this is kind of what I read into it. She's seen for the first time um, a few of these businesses that have had these massive growth curves um, during the pandemic, effectively because of false economies. And now they've like dropped off, you know, like the, the, the flame that burns brightest – burns quickest and she started to see a lot of those and she's like you know I'm, I'm trying to figure out because she knows the people that own these businesses like what their motivation is you know they, they, they started this business and they were selling this widget and they <laughs> were in the right place at the right time and they made all this money and now the widget's not selling or someone else has come in and cut them out of the business or you know the economy's not as strong as it used to be and the widgets people just don't value them and, you know, for whatever fucking reason and these businesses have they haven't collapsed yet, but the writing's on the wall. Like it's it's game over effectively. And she started talking about like what is the motivator for these people that have started these businesses? You know, is it just money? Is it, you know, um um like is it what is the motivator? And we were talking about it. And I said to her, I said, you know, like different people have different motivations. Like for some people, achievement manifests in I just want to make as much money as I can. And foolishly, they think that that is going to fulfill them and that is them living into that achievement core value. It's not. Um, and I can speak from personal experience that it's not. And I can speak from experience of seeing a number of people that have misconstrued that, that it's not, right? It, it, it's bigger than that right? They just haven't done the work to figure out what it is. My point is everybody's core values and living in alignment with those core values is different. And it's not to say that if your overarching core value is not achievement, that you shouldn't be in business, right? Because you can build a business to do a lot of things that has nothing to do with how big you can build that business. You can build a non-for-profit business, right? That is just about helping your local community. And once you're there, that's it. You're done. And for you, that's, that's progress towards your core values. That's going to bring you happiness. That's going to bring you fulfillment. And that's all you need. And you see that a lot, right? In small businesses, small local businesses, small cafes, small non-for-profits, small church communities, small non-religious based communities. Uh, you see it a lot. So. You know, it's, 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 there's no right or wrong answer here. You know, people's progress towards living in alignment with their core values is going to manifest in a whole lot of different ways. For some people, that might be entrepreneurship, might be building a business. For other people, it might be entrepreneurship. It might be being a part of someone else's business that brings them progress and happiness and fulfillment. For other people, it might just be fucking clocking on at nine and clocking on at five and having weekends off and having four weeks of annual leave a year where they don't have to think about work because they just want to spend time with their friends and their family. And that's perfectly fucking fine.
0: Essentially, it's, it's passion, isn't it? These core values, it's really what you're passionate about. Well, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah, Yeah. So if you're passionate about having a good work-life balance, then… Good for you, yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, look, I just want to see as many people happy as I can. And I think that having awareness around what core values are the most important to you and then making sure that you're living in alignment with them and making sure that you're progressing towards living in alignment with them is just going to make people happier. And that's the goal. Gary V talks about this a lot. He's done a lot of content, you know, where he's like, you know, would you, would you rather be making 2 million bucks a year and be miserable and have no time to spend with your friends and family or would you rather be making uh, 50 grand a year and have weekends off and four weeks of annual year uh, um, annual leave a year and not have the, um, the pressures of the responsibilities that comes along with making that much money and just be able to clock in and clock off and like ultimately what makes you happier? And what makes you happier is going to be what aligns with your core values. And if you don't know what your core values are, you have no fucking idea what that looks like.
0: Yeah, so true. Everyone's different, man. That's
1: right. That's it. Schwartz values, Will. Go check it out. Yeah, I will be. Give it a Google. We should put one on the website. We can direct people there. Yeah,
0: uh, it's so interesting. man. I'm very keen to dive into that. Yeah.
1: That's it. That's it, man. We're done. We are. Guys, thank you so much for the questions. Uh, If you have a question that you'd like us to answer in the next episode of Your Four, best place to send them straight to Brandon on Instagram at BrandonBirdie, B-R-A-N-D-O-N-V-E-R-D-E. Do well. Spell that <laughs> right. That's all you're thinking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> put it up on the whiteboard yeah. so, so I could just read it out. Uh, that's the best place to send you questions. Brandon goes through them. He picks the four best for every episode of Your Four. And that's how we make these episodes, guys. And the better the quality of the questions, the better the quality of the answers. And this has been a long fucking episode. Yes, man. Yeah. So I think that probably speaks volumes for how good these questions are. Brandon, thank you, man. Thank uh, you. Enjoy your time in Europe. I think you're going to have a, a, an amazing, um, an amazing time and, and an amazing experience for a whole lot of different reasons. So, yeah, thanks, man. I'm excited for you, man. Just make sure you post about it. Yeah, I will. Yeah. So many of my friends at the moment are in Europe, yeah, and I'm like watching the stories. Like everyone's every day. there, man. It's gonna be yeah. fun, like Australia, when I go over there. Yeah. See and then I walk outside, and it's like wet and yeah. and fucking yeah, yeah. cold. Oh, <laughs> like, real, oh, man.
0: Yeah. No, I'm, sorry, getting man. I'm getting a, I'm getting a SIM card over there, so I'll. I'll bank some stuff and post it every now and then. Yeah, yeah,
1: for sure. And you guys make your follow. Make sure you're following Brandon follow as well, me, yeah. so you can uh, you can live. the you live uh, me. Live the European Contiki tour life. If for, you're not there already, for, for, if you're not there already, when you come back, you can just continue th- uh, through Brandon. Uh, Thank you, man. Enjoy your time away. Guys, you could have been anywhere in the world right now, but you're here with us. We appreciate that. Until next time, catch you on the flip side. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode. We hope you enjoyed listening. A couple of things to round out. Firstly, if you've yet to subscribe to the Fitness Times Business Podcast on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure you do that right now so you don't miss any future episodes. Secondly, if you guys took some value from this episode, the one thing we ask in return is that you share the show and find Finally, if you've yet to leave us a five-star rating, make sure you do that before the next episode.